You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Run like a wild man. I watched you struggle and I watched you wrestle with them angels. From Auburn University, Bo Jackson. The correct Auburn arena time is 9.23 p.m. Your digital audio device tuned into the Origin True Podcast harbored by the friendly folks at collegeandmagnolia.com. Greetings and salutations, Origin Truthers. It is I. Center Crow 2 on Twitter. You can find me at Center Crow on Venmo. On the other side of SARS Cove 2 Omicron variant. Um, had me down for a bit there, guys, but I, I managed to push on through. Joining me tonight, giving you that full four pain ASMR that you pay extra for, is the AU Chief. How do you do? And we have today a special guest. Joining us also, though, is Ryan Starrett. Ryan S. Starrett. The S stands for special guest. Ryan, do you want to introduce our special guest? Our special guest is uh, someone who's been around College of Mag longer than any of us, I believe. Uh, That would be Bobby Barkley, uh, author of the famed flooded uh, Auburn Arena article. The first viral. That's the first viral College of Mag content. No, there's there's been yeah, there's yeah, been yeah, viral stuff. Iron Bowl post. Yeah. Didn't uh didn't you host a podcast once upon a time? Uh, I did with the uh, incomparable, unmatched man from South Alabama, uh, Mr. Grant Bland himself, and uh, he actually liked one of my tweets the other day. He's been kind of a uh, MIA, but I saw that and I felt like maybe. Dave was on the move, so oh man, he might be active. I don't know. I haven't, oh, I haven't heard from him in a while, but yeah, we used to run the uh, little pregame and postgame prowl where we picked Auburn for every single game, and that was <laughs> totally legit. As one does, as one yeah. does. Yeah, totally credible. So yeah, that was fun. That was a fun run. Uh, I think I've found that I'm probably better at writing than talking. So that. That's well, we're glad lately. to have you on the podcast tonight, then. <laughs> yeah. We y'all, y'all made it, yeah. I must have been really desperate if you got me on. So, <laughs> The first thing we want to talk about, as as many people... Yeah, it's in the show notes. I really hate even... you got to talk this. about football, okay? I know. We're, we're talking if you're about listening football, to this, know that I'm being held at gunpoint and required to, to talk about football. It's in your contract. Yeah, uh, it was a big week for Auburn. National Signing Day was this week. Got to talk about it. All right. Okay. Who who did we get? That was everybody. We talked about everybody that we signed this week. All right. Moving on. Basketball time. Okay. Let's move on to the sport that pays the bills around here. Speaking of the Iron Bowl of basketball, we played the Iron Bowl of basketball, right? You know. The Iron Bowl of basketball is probably the most 
uh, elite and prestigious competition that doesn't award a trophy in American sport. Are there are there basketball rivalries that, that exchange trophies? Yeah, I'm sure there are. I you know what's funny is I don't know if Duke UNC exchanges a trophy. Yeah, yeah I was they gonna, probably I was gonna ask. should. I I, that was a legitimate question. I don't I don't really know. Well, that's I, BS. I that's a BS move by basketball. We got we need more trophies in this sport. <laughs> we need more old wooden buckets. Um, Everybody likes to lift silverware, you know. Oh man, yeah, that's the whole point. Cut down right, right, Wikipedia on Wikipedia college basketball rivalry trophies: the Bayou Cup between Houston and Rice. Blackburn uh, no, McCafferty Cup between Dayton and Xavier. The Mayor's Cup between Oral Roberts and Tulsa. How could I forget? The Michigan Mac Trophy between the directional Michigans. And the last one, the old, I'm not even sure how to say that, uh, Ochre, O-Q-U-I-R-R-H. O-Q-U-I-R-R-H. And I think it's just played between all the Utah schools. Yeah. Huh. Anyways, that's all of the college basketball trophies. Well, somebody needs to make a trophy for the Iron Bowl of basketball. Or maybe maybe medals. Maybe we can give out medals. God, you know what I would love is if we had just, at the end of the game, had an ad hoc medal ceremony (laughs) (laughs) on the AU and then handed gold medals to our guys (laughs) and then asked Nate Oates, hey, you guys mind standing out here and get your silver medal? Yeah, 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 get your silver medal. We could just bronze the uh, the broom and make that the trophy. Oh, well, yeah. you should use the back of the yogurt lids like Jim on The Office. <laughs> Did y'all see the broom story on Twitter last week? Okay, I, modern life story. Oh, so I didn't I didn't catch all of it. I saw that one guy like had mounted it above his door. Yeah. <laughs> uh, How did it, it get in the, the arena? So the student brought. That's what I, yeah, that's the question I had. Is th- there were there was more than one broom in the arena and I I was thinking the exact same thing logistically. Like, did they bring them in with them Were they planted? Uh, did the same person that flooded the arena, you know, eight, (laughs) six years ago have something to do with it? I don't know, but I was questioning that myself. Did they go? I I thought they had like raided a janitor's closet at halftime. They probably just brought it in with them. I, I mean, uh, I'm sure there's against the uh, security policy. I, I don't think so. And also there may have been some special dispensation for uh, certain members of the jungle, maybe sure to bring in a broom. So, um, Oh, you according, according to that, uh, that Twitter, the, the girl's Twitter bio says she's the secretary for the, the jungle. Oh, wow. So maybe that's, uh, maybe that's why. Yeah. She had to go through Twitter to get it back from him though. She did, and she okay. Uh, so it was yeah. her broom. It was her broom. The, the guy somebody else ended up with it, taking it home. Yeah, but then he gave it back to the to the lady. Correct. Okay. All right. I think he was a little reluctant about it. You know, I, I love I love the jungle. <laughs> I think it's an amazing thing in terms of a just a mass of humanity yeah, yeah. that is so loud. Great. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have the first idea what the secretary of the jungle does. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Do they look, meet? I, I had this whole thing, I, and I hesitated to ever say it because I was just like, you know what? Maybe I'm just an old man hater. So, I, which obviously I am. Did the but, Cliff Dwellers uh, have a secretary? 
there were there's a, a loose organization around the cliff dwellers yeah uh because there was money because they had you know you have to do the stuff with the shirts and all that stuff so it is it is an organization you mean the just university always, doesn't just pass out the shirts no there was there was you like gotta a, do the banner and like the... committee why involved. isn't why doesn't sports marketing do the banner? That's why we have a department that does those things. I didn't know. Sorry, I, yeah. this is my first of, first time I heard that there actually is like a. I thought yeah. sports marketing department did all that stuff. Pass out but, the banner, give you the Every hats. time I heard, heard, oh yeah, that guy's the president of the the jungle. I'm like, this is, this is lame, lame. But you know what? I I don't look. It's working, so I don't care. Yeah, whatever, man. And no disrespect to Mr. Jacob Hillman. He's he's doing a great job down there. None but the best, as Gus Malzahn would say. <laughs> None but the best. So do we, uh, we want to get into how we hung 100 points on Alabama? Yeah, let's talk about sports. Please. So <laughs> as we do every show, we will give you the four factors. Those four factors are effective field goal percentage, turnover percentage, offensive rebound percentage, and what we call the free throw ratio. Auburn beat Alabama in all of the four factors. Four for four. You could say you could say we swept them. You could say that, Ryan. Many are <laughs> saying that. And uh, you know, really, hats off to the refs because we don't win this game without them. I mean, it was a classic we, barn cheating. Yeah, classic. Well, we barn cheating. Go to the line quite a bit. Uh, we could have gone to the line about a hundred percent more. Uh, than we did. So it was, we earned every single trip to that line. Well, Bobby, what did you think about um, our NBA first round prospect, uh, Jabari Smith, up against their NBA first round prospect, J.D. Davison? Was he that high? I didn't realize he was that high. Oh, That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure played it's, like it's it. Just a... <laughs> There's something. Uh, there's something really special about knowing exactly when he's on the court because there's this just massive mop on top of his head that bounces every time he airs a ball to the to the goal. Yeah, I, the basket. He played. Matter of fact, he has played his last three basketball games like he has not been to practice or met any of these guys before. In his life, <laughs> like it. If you told me that Nate Oates keeps him in a closet at Coleman Coliseum and then just lets him out for games, I'd believe you. Because yeah, he just it, keeps him blindfolded like a like a bird of prey. Like it, it, he hasn't improved, but it also isn't that he's like. You couldn't put your finger on a single thing that JD Davison's like super bad at. It just looks like he doesn't. Well, he didn't get the ball. Like if you watch this game, his teammates were playing freeze out with him half the time. He didn't get the ball. So, I mean, it's, the closet's a fitting place for him because he looks like a mop. So that's probably where those brooms came from too. Right. Same same location. You could see why Nados would be confused. I bet he was worried at Auburn's campus when they passed that livestock pavilion. <laughs> looked like he had hay on his head. I, I I think we say that, but we're recruiting a kid who looks just like yeah. him for next season. Well, the guy we're recruiting yeah, but... isn't quite 
<laughs> like that. But yeah, and I'm hoping that he will uh, do something with that hair before he arrives. But, you know, whatever. We, I'm uh, hoping somebody on Alabama's basketball team says something about his hair next year because I've seen his football highlights and he will lay people out. So, you know, that, that could be a fun little interaction next year. He, is he going to play both sports at Auburn, though? Uh, I mean, we're not talking about football. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I were him, I'd be like, well, who's my coach? Because I'm not <laughs> playing for these guys. Yeah. Um, Auburn won the game with the free throw line, Ryan says. Um, that is not for me. Auburn did not win this game with the free throw line. Auburn won the no. game because they had uh, – Auburn won the game because it shot 52%. <laughs> They had two guys score percentage. 43 points. <laughs> two guys score 43 points and <laughs> also grabbed I mean, 31% of its available offensive rebounds. Yeah. 31 to 39 from the line is pretty good, especially when that uh, 31st free throw made uh, got you to 100. Right. Um, but, it is, yeah, I mean, this isn't just like any one thing that won this game. This was a pretty solid, comfortable, dominant win. Um, Auburn shot better. Auburn took care of the ball better, rebounded better. Um Really took call, took care of the ball really well. Uh, only nine percent turnover rate. Um, I think they're averaging like twelve percent on the year. So beating that, being under ten is just that's a great game. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean it. Well, I, I, this was a game of really good guard play in general. You know, between Shackford and Quinterly, they had forty six points. Um, but. Um, Green had 23 himself, so kind of neutralized that. And then Auburn just dominated on the front court with their size advantage, which is what we had kind of talked about last week anyways. Shackelford was just absolutely on fire in this game. He's he's really good. He just was, like, not afraid to put anything up because, like, half of what he was putting up was going in. Like, no matter what. Does 6 of 15 sound right to you from the field? Because it doesn't for me. For him? Yeah, he was six of fifteen. I, I I would have swore he was over fifty percent. It's uh, he jacked some up late. And the first half, his, le- his leg, his legs were gone. His first half, uh, he missed they, a bunch. Yeah, he played a lot of minutes. That stretch, what we would call the third quarter in normal basketball. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he missed a shot. Yeah, I don't think he did either. Yeah, uh, uh, because I mean, there was one. He just took this like ran off a screen, caught the ball, and just jacked it up like in it, it, while running. And it just like it barely touched the net. It like it was one of the craziest shots I've ever seen. And uh, he tried it again and almost went in again. And Quinterly, uh, Quinterly definitely uh, made up for his uh, kind of the moment getting too big for him in the first Iron mm-hmm. Bowl of basketball. You could tell he was out trying to do something. Um, yeah. But they played the whole game. Yeah, that 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 was, and, and it showed at the end. I mean, that I, they they went on that run and, and got it a little, a little closer there, but really, the, once once that run ended, it was it was over because they were just gassed. They, they they could barely get up and down the floor. It, it was so bad. Yeah, seventy minutes between Quinterly and Shackelford. I mean, that's that's too many against an SEC team. Um, and that's where Auburn's depth really showed out. Uh, even though Zepp isn't lighting up the scoreboard, he's giving you you know 15 to 20 really good defensive minutes, and you know not hurting you at all on the offensive end. Um, and as we saw later in the week, uh, extremely valuable for letting 
the other two guards kind of sit down and refocus when they need to. Yep, that's uh, that that is was definitely evident later in the week. Um, I mean, again, I just I love watching Zep play. Like any any time he's on the floor, I can't take my eyes off of him. Um, as well, on, when he's on defense, it's just yeah. him, he he really had. Like Zep was Zep is as good as he's on defense. We really had just such unbelievable guard play from him and Wendell. And Wendell yeah. on offense was, I think I said it in a space. I think every I think at some point I was we've all been in a Twitter space. I I think the Twitter space is now consuming us. But anyway, <laughs> I think I said that that um, Wendell played like Sharif in this game in that. It felt like the game was happening on Wendell's terms. Mm-hmm. And, okay, I'm going to come down here and you're going to get a shot. Or I'm going to come down here and I'm going to take a shot. What Alabama was doing didn't matter at all to Wendell Green no. Jr. Like it was, he was playing basketball with his buddies and the other team mattered not. Um, he was all over the floor. I mean, 23 points, 8 rebounds. Yeah, 8 rebounds six from 5'10 guard. Yeah. 6 assists. And a you know relatively high, uh, and then getting the ball too, and like, moving it. Like I mean, getting it, the that, rebound that, and turn around and moving it. After um, the the game before, I, I think he scored. Uh, he had a rough no stretch in the couple of games. Um, I think he had eight total points in the previous two games. But yeah, but he comes in and just like just tears it up. He's the best player. It's his best game. And he's he, played he, I think. He changes the pace of the game to an extent where it's like, like Sharif, where it was like the ball comes into his hands off of an outlet pass, and all of a sudden the ball or him are moving at a speed no one else is capable of doing. And it is a joy to watch. It is, it is a person at the peak of his ability um, orchestrating a basketball court like he is orchestrating a symphony. He's an artist in that in that respect. Bobby, what, do you, what did you think of Wendell Green Jr.'s play? Um, I would echo what Lonely Tailgater is still losing sleep over, which is that ridiculous spin move off of uh, oh, someone yeah. who's much larger than him uh, and just kissing the glass. I mean, yeah. He did that several times, but my gosh, I think he defied physics on that particular shot. It's pretty I'm crazy. Thinking about it pretty crazy for sure to, to watch him do stuff like that uh, it boy i mean i don't remember us having a point guard i mean other than i think the sharif comparison is a pretty good one but i mean for i mean and granted i'm a i'm a very recent basketball fan so i <laughs> i don't really know a couple of years ago i didn't even know what a basketball looked like but <laughs> for the life of me i can't remember a guard that's been I guess as exciting and electric as him. I mean, Sharif's probably the one that comes to mind, but I mean, Sharif was just like, Sharif was good, but that, that season was so, I don't want to say it was meaningless, but it, it felt meaningless in a yeah. lot of ways. And yeah. it was just, it's just the weirdest, it's the weirdest blip in basketball history for Auburn that we had a guy in Sharif Cooper who is in the NBA and it's just this little, like, kind of, you know, 
it's almost like a dream, you know. I yeah. don't, I, we didn't get enough of him. I, I mean, yeah, Wendell. Another played, NBA player on that roster too was JT Thor. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Wendell's played triple the games that yeah uh, he's Sharif played triple did, the games. Because well, we joked last year that Sharif played the same number of games as Cam Newton. Yeah, <laughs> at Auburn and and like, but in a similar like even Jared. It's like Jared was an unbelievable point guard his junior year, obviously, and was fully the master of his domain. But Jared wasn't the ball comes to him and you stand up because you're like, yeah, holy crap, what's about to happen? Well, and, and with Jared, Jared was a steadying force that could, if you weren't defending him, he could shove it down your throat, but he wasn't yeah. uh highlight reel, just, you know, incredible play after incredible play. Well, Jared too wasn't gonna—he wasn't gonna do a bunch of spin moves and stuff. He was just gonna get downhill and get to the hole yeah. like that. That's what—that's what he was gonna do if he was going inside. Either so. you were gonna foul him, or he was gonna put it off the glass and score. Right. Speaking right. of Jared, I was reminded of Jared by Wendell because I had forgotten up until someone reminded me on Twitter that Jared beat Florida in the SEC tournament in basically the exact same way that Wendell beat Georgia at Georgia. Yeah, just driving. Yeah. Tie game, clock's running down, gets the rebound, and just motors it down. Yeah, layup, win the game. And, yeah. I don't think Jared uh, traveled and charged over a guy, but hey. I don't know. We'll we'll get to Georgia in a second. Watching it again, I don't think Wendell traveled. Probably not. Could have been a charge there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's when you swallow your whistle. Uh, and we'll and get also, they had done rest, it plenty in that game. So the rest sucked the whole game. There was a rugby scrum before. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. All right. We before we move on, we got to talk about Walker Kessler though. Yeah, okay. man. Absolutely dominating Alabama. Bucket hat king. Yeah, Mr. Bucket hat uh, had a triple double earlier in the season and almost did it again. And if the foul calls had gone his way, would have done it again. Uh, Fourteen points, twelve rebounds, eight blocks, and four steals. Just Alabama couldn't do anything with him. It was, it was awesome. Uh, <laughs> at least two of the fouls he got were clean blocks. Uh, he had one that he pinned off the glass that they didn't give him. Uh, it's starting to go, become pretty evident that not many people can do anything with him. The refs, uh, the refs can do something with no, him. No, and yes, I yeah, will yeah. say that's it. Walker has changed the way that he does some of his defending in the early parts of games. Um, the games where he would get in foul trouble, he was doing a lot more of the arm bar and a lot of leaning on guys. Whereas he is much more vertical currently. Like yeah. the referees would have to be making horrible calls. Um, more than normal to get them to get him in, <laughs> into foul trouble early in the game. I, I, Yeah, I think as much as the referees in college basketball are part of the problem, I think Walker has adjusted his defensive play to stay True. in games longer, and that's. I mean, he's another guy. We put him on Bruce's list of guys who were not. No one had him projected as leaving after this year, and now almost everybody does because yeah. he'd be crazy not to. Yeah, yep. He's working his way up into the late teens, early twenties on draft boards. Yeah. I mean, if, if he keeps well, doing this all through the tournament, he'll be a lottery pick. I was gonna say he's he, that that game in particular. He was he was playing the kind of defense that I I've never seen a big man play ever. I mean he he was he was sticking with 
much better ball handlers mm -hmm. and being patient, staying vertical. I mean, he was moving his hips. It, it was – I can't think of a better game defensively that he's – like the optics of his defense were – it was certainly like top five game for the season. But I, I just – I was so happy for him because uh, it, it, even – even with a win at Coleman, watching him foul out or at least be rendered kind of inactive that early was one Six of the most minutes. frustrating elements of that game. And it, it kind of tarnished the, the, even the win. Again, we beat them right. in their uh, arena – or sorry, their hangar. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he just – he was just – it was night and day difference for him in that game. And that's what, that's what made it so electric for me. It was just like everybody seemed to have – their night you know Wendell obviously went off and then Jabari was Jabari and Walker just decided I might be the best defender on the court tonight and there's nothing you do about it and refs guess what you you can't do anything about it either so good luck yeah I, I agree the, the the two things I, I really like about Kessler and, and I think would have to make any NBA scout uh, salivate is is that ability to uh, switch off onto a guard and not just get totally burnt every time it happens. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and then his other is just how soft that touch is around, around the rim. Like, and it's not like he's uh, super weak and can't dunk on dudes. Cause he can, cause he's, you know, seven, two, it doesn't take a lot, <laughs> but just the fact that he can just lay it off the glass just very softly if he has to, even like through contact, and it, it's it's something to see. I, and I, I've definitely never seen that before from a. Can we talk real quick? I, I mentioned this I think during the game. It might have been Oklahoma actually, but can we? Why was Austin Wiley never like this? Like I wanted so badly for a guy like Austin to to be that guy and i just it was every time the ball was passed in the middle of the lane with two guys around him i just thought well that's turnover i mean it, i love austin wiley to death i just i wish he'd been that guy for us and walker i don't know if it's just like a, a different mind or something or different skill set but it, it just wasn't there for wiley who otherwise you know, physically was one of the biggest guys on the court. And it just, every time the ball got to him, I was just biting my nails off. I would, Can we blame the NCAA for that one with, you know, missing the season and then he had. The oh, yeah. No, the, the yeah, issue was. Took a lot out of him in that final four season that he never really got back from. Wiley was uh, also not a pick and roll post play. Yeah. Well, I, that's I, the biggest I think, difference. I think Austin was, came up whole life, classic post player. I think I think that was it, and uh, I think most of his life he spent cleaning up around the rim, <laughs> which he was great at. Uh, he was elite, and still is that, elite. That that's yeah. that's what he was good at. Um, whereas Kessler, I think, grew up working on all all skills. I, I would I think. I mean, I'm probably the biggest Austin Wiley defender on this podcast because I was, I. He was not used at Auburn the way he would have been used by other coaches. He wasn't a great fit for Bruce. Sure. It, it was one of those things where you have a five-star who's a legacy. You're not going to not recruit him. 
Because then you'll look horrible if he goes somewhere else. Right. So you recruit him. I never thought he fit super well in Bruce's full court press. He just wasn't. And, like, he wasn't a pick-and-roll post player, so they didn't do it. Like, you didn't really ever see him go up and set a pick on Jared. It didn't happen. But whereas Walker is, like, he is unbelievable as a role man. And not just because of his hands. And we talk a lot about Austin's hands being bad. They were – a combination of his hands weren't amazing. And also, like, he didn't really get a lot of entry post passes because no one knows how to do that in the modern NBA, modern college basketball. Um, whereas, like, if he had gone to a, a school that – like George, like a Georgetown that always seems to have a big man, they – it might have looked different for Austin. I don't know. Not that I wish well, Austin also, had gone elsewhere, but yeah. Well, Wendell. I mean, back to Wendell. Wendell was. I think teams are starting to figure out, as unstoppable as Kessler is, they still find ways to defend that pick and roll, uh, or at least, you know, take away. I guess what would otherwise be easier passes from our point guards, but Wendell was making adjustments during the game where, you know, he wasn't able to lob those balls up to Kessler as much. So he found ways to get around the defender with those entry passes. And I mean, when they're, when they're in concert together, like I get, uh, <clears throat> I get aroused. Let's just put that way. <laughs> uh, I can smell the banner. Do banners smell? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like felt or probably vinyl. Yeah, I was thinking like a nice vinyl print. Napalm. Um, Napalm in the morning. Yeah. Anyway, that's I don't know if you I don't know if you have family listening to this podcast, but they're not listening now. So <laughs> Hey that guy that guy y'all had on there? He's a weirdo. <laughs> I can't imagine anybody listening to multiple episodes of us and then thinking that. Yeah, Man, yeah. you could have stopped that with I can't imagine anybody listening to multiple well, episodes of us. <laughs> <laughs> We have dozens of listeners, grow. I know. The, dozens. It is a it is a shock to me every week. I think we uh, might know every single person. That, that I don't listens. think so, man. Except for that time we had seventy Dutch listeners. That's right. That's right. Up the orange. <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick commercial break. Come back and talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. Ah, and we come back. It's been 29 minutes and 51 seconds into this podcast. There may have been a commercial there. There may not have been. We did a little bit of research, and turns out there haven't been for weeks. I So, um, you know, I, I got one at the beginning uh, last week. I accidentally downloaded our podcast and listened to it. Uh, well, it started playing. Not on purpose, accidentally. That's I accidentally added it to my now playing. I always download it. you got to give us the downloads, you know. Uh, but uh, it I accidentally put it in my, like, Q or whatever. Sure. It started playing and I I got some weird commercial beforehand. So oh, what uh, was it a commercial? Do you remember what it was a commercial for? Probably another I, podcast. I don't remember. I could actually uh, on the air uh, rewind it because it's no. still in my queue, but I'm not gonna do that. The last time I listened to this podcast, <clears throat> I got ads only for other podcasts. And I was like I think that's a weird thing that normally Oh you like you like podcasts? Well if you like yeah. this one. <laughs> <laughs> this other one about the news, that's going to be your beat. 
Uh, Auburn beat Georgia. Yo, dog, we heard you like podcasts, so we put a podcast in <laughs> yeah, your podcast. In your podcast. <laughs> Here's a sample. If you stay to the end of the episode, we're going to give you a 25-minute sample of this podcast about Iraqi soldiers. So, are oh, we, are yeah. we keeping our podcast on Spotify? Yeah, I think we have to take a stance on that, don't we? Uh, I don't know if our podcast is on Spotify. It is. Okay, it is. then as far as I have hey, no control on who that. listens to podcasts on Spotify? Go give us five stars on Spotify. Oh, yeah. Break, if you're listening to this on Spotify, give us five stars on there so we know you're there. And and uh, Apple Podcasts, isn't that what it's called? These grapefruit bubbly waters don't pay for themselves, man. All right. Auburn beat Georgia. Swept Georgia and Alabama for the first time since 2018. <sighs> <sighs> felt good. It felt really it's good. It's a win. It's a win. Never in yeah. doubt. A win that was it's... never in doubt for me. I can't yeah. say the same thing for other members of this podcast. Uh, yep. Thought, thought we were done. Particularly one chief. Yeah. You, you huh? thought, chief, you thought we were done with at least like 12 minutes left in the game? We were a No, winning. it was not 12 it was, minutes. It was we middle were up of the second. Two. No. No, we were up to, and half. Chief texted, "We're losing this game." It was like four minutes left in that game. No, I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you more than that. I was like, "We're winning this game." What is he talking about? Well, it's not twelve minutes left. Chief, Chief is going to go down in history with AU nerd uh, when nerd told us that the 2019 basketball team was maybe just not very good. <laughs> not a very good basketball <laughs> team. <laughs> 2018. That was early January, I believe. 2018, 2019 Auburn basketball. It was early January, and I think we had – it was before the Kentucky game. We had won a game, and Nerd said, like, guys, maybe we're just not very good this year. <laughs> we're just not a very good basketball I believe, team. I believe it was right after the Ole Miss loss where we lost by 15. Yeah. Early January, and, you know, maybe he was he was still wrapped up in recruiting. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give him that. It's the best. It was not, not very peacocky. Perfect. For nerd, <laughs> we didn't I, know. I like that you just call him nerd too, and that's not AU nerd; it's just nerd. We, it's, right. it's nerd. Yeah, yeah, it's nerd. AU sports nerd. nerd. Yeah, AU What's sports up, nerd. The, the the official the official. Yeah, uh, tweeted him and asked him if this is a very good basketball team or not. Um, yeah, there we uh, go. The four <laughs> the four factors in this game: uh, Auburn won two of them, lost two of them, but I would say won the more important two of them. The score. Yeah. Well, we really tied one of them. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that one of them. Auburn, Auburn uh, had like the slight advantage in the thousands of decimal places. So technically won the uh, effective field goal percentage. But yeah. for all intents, it was a tie. I would, they I also won by not having Tom Crean as their coach. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, we we, uh, we stand Tom Crean yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, we, uh, this attention. is a pro Tom Crean at Georgia podcast. Oh, Keep listen, him I, I, give him, I want him to stay. I want my grandkids to know that <laughs> that as his head is encased in ice, that he's still the coach. I mean, I'll, I'll throw every dollar I have at that extension. So I'm with you there. We I have, celebrate his entire catalog. True lies. Exit wound. <laughs> we have to get Tom Green a modicum of success, though. But not too much. But he's got to, like, make the tournament. Next he year. almost beat the number one team in the country. I know. He's I got to count for something. There was at one point in my head the thought did enter. Yeah, maybe if we throw this game, they'll extend time. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> a little Verez Ward action in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, we're not going to financially benefit from it. No. Well, 
So I want to point out the offensive rebound percentage because yet again, I don't have the data in front of me. You don't come to this podcast for that. But yet again, Auburn had an offensive rebound percentage of 38%. So above 30. Auburn has, this has not been a whole season thing, but it's been an SEC play thing where the Tigers have just decided, you know how nobody cares about offensive rebounds in modern basketball? What if we cared about them more than anybody has ever cared about them? Like it's, I think, it's amazing. I think we had like maybe one game early in, in the SEC schedule where we we got destroyed on the offensive boards, and then since then, I think is that is that right, or was it one of the earlier games? Because there right. was there was a there was a game at some point in the season where we just did not get an offensive rebound. Like the trend, uh, the trend internationally is, and I mean like literally everywhere. People don't just shoot the three and don't worry and about the rebound. Get back because because teams are so good in transition, you don't want to gamble trying to get an offensive rebound and then get beat in a three on one. Now so, that that's an important point about this game though. Georgia was really good in the second half in the transition. That's yeah. where they scored all their points. Um, and that's and Auburn got sloppy with the ball and it led to a lot of transition points for Georgia. Yep. Yep. The gamble you but take, the best transition points the best transition points. An assist for Wendell Green Jr. and two points for Devin Cambridge. Oh boy! Yeah. I, when he threw the ball off the backboard to Devin Cambridge, I was like, "Wow, he threw that off really hard." I was like, "Oh!" I thought when he dunked that ball, I was like, "We're going to win this game by sixty points." <laughs> like, this is, I, you a know, clown I show. Kind of think maybe the team, yeah, uh, may have thought that as well at that point. And maybe that <laughs> a little to do with what uh, what went on later. Um, also, Wendell Green having to play 900 minutes in this game probably didn't help. Um, Wendell Green played a lot of minutes. I, you know, I, I really think, in hindsight, Bruce would look back and think, maybe I shouldn't have played KD for 11 minutes straight nearly to start the game. Um, yeah, I would agree with you, Chief. Uh, because... I, he was clearly tired later on in the game, although he did, when it counted, become effective again, just like he always does. So um, The rotation was messed up, though. And it, it yeah. messed up because, number one, Zepp wasn't playing. And number two, everybody's exhausted. Yeah. And so I think that I, I actually was shocked Preston Cook played at all, much less as much as he did. No. Not bad minutes, by the way. And not bad minutes, but it was like, wait a minute, you we're down one guard. We're not down four. Right. He's a scholarship player. Scholarship player and, and I just he's couldn't a point figure guard. Out, and and think... Alan Flanagan's played point guard last year. I couldn't I really couldn't figure it out, except that you gotta rest these guys and you really should yeah. rest two of them at a time. Yeah. yeah. And and I think maybe Al's crisis of confidence, as it were. Uh, might have something to do with that too. Um, yeah, I, I, he you was might good not want to. He was good in this game going downhill. I will, I, yeah, he's I just got think one I, move still left in the tank, and that is it's very difficult to stay in front of Alan Flanagan. Yeah, I, every I think, defender should try and draw a charge on him, and that, that should be the move every time. Yeah, because he he'll fall he will for go charge. through. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I kind of think maybe just you don't because as I think we've discussed, his decision making has been the thing that I uh, can't figure out why what's going on with that, and I think maybe that's why you don't want him facilitating everything uh, at that point. Um, you know, and I think maybe we thought we could get more out of Zep and KD. Uh, that they wouldn't get quite as tired, but you know they just played a game. Well, I guess it was Tuesday Tuesday, night. Tuesday game, yeah. Um, Uh, But yeah, I mean, Wynn played 36 minutes in this game. He's only played more than 30 once in a regulation game this year, and that was at Bama or early mm -hmm. SEC play. He's been under 30 minutes every game besides that. So definitely, not that he's out of shape or anything, but you know we're we're getting late in the season at this point, and playing that many minutes is uh, especially high energy, high stress minutes. Right. Late in that game, they'll wear you out. Um, Especially when you haven't been doing it. Like that's that's right. Yeah, that's the other part of that. Right. Uh, Nineteen points, five rebounds, three assists. Though um, had a fantastic first half, and then yeah, most of those cold. points, most of those points for first half, right? Yeah, he didn't hit a shot in the second half until the game winner. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, and did he get to the line in the second half? Uh, I believe so, because I think he had 15 points at the half. Okay, okay. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this was just another game similar to Missouri where, like, nobody, especially in the second half, nobody was really feeling it. I mean, some guys were making shots. It wasn't as bad as the Missouri game. But uh, no one was, you know, lighting it up possession after possession. Um, Jabari had another another off night where he well, – and this was a strange one, and you know Bruce took full ownership for it. He had seven points and six rebounds, but he only took seven shots. Yeah, and I mean he needs to be taking double that, especially when you're down a guard. Um, but post game, and then again during the press conference uh, today, I think he he said that was his fault. I mean that's or Bruce said that it was his fault. Um, took full ownership for that. Um, Unlike some coaches who <laughs> we won't mention. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask Bobby. Uh, have you ever seen a coach take this much responsibility? Because Bruce does. He'll he'll just say, "Hey, it's my fault." He would rather say it's his fault than anyone else's. Yeah, I mean, I if I can be like sort of non-barn for a second. Sometimes I hear things he says, and I'm like, "All right, we like we get it, Bruce. We <laughs> we, we, we got you. Like you're good. We just we just you're you're here for a while, so we get it." <laughs> Um, so like when he repeated that, I think today, like, it's good. Like, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, at some point, you know, players got to make plays too, but it it is, it is, uh, is utterly refreshing and delightfully schadenfreude for me when a coach goes out of his way to, uh, take that kind of blame. I mean, that's a real real uh, factory boss blue collar mentality if you ask me but <laughs> and that's definitely you know Bruce does this a lot he was talking to Jabari when he's saying that of, yeah I need to get yeah. him more shots it's my fault that's him telling Jabari hey shoot the ball more yeah, yeah. whatever you got to do you you know if it's I mean Jabari I mean coach shot. yeah Pearl I mean Pearl has said it a, a bunch too it's it's the we have Jabari and you don't and I mean, I don't, I don't know how. I've I hesitated to say that. I, like sometimes, I wish that Jabari had 
I guess what you'd call more of a conventional sort of killer mentality, but he's already got it. Like he's already a killer. He's just not, he's more of an assassin. He's not just murdering you. He's assassinating you quietly on the floor, but there's some, there's some next level that I do wish he would get to. And maybe he's getting there slowly, but it, it just, it's hard to, as a fan to be patient for that when you know that he's only here for, you know, the next four years instead of five. So <laughs> I wish, I wish he had just a little bit more Marquise in him. That that's, that's the, that's like the one thing that I, uh, not criticism, just the one thing I wish he had was a little more Marquise. Cause so Marquise, a little more, little more Dangel for a more recent cop. No, I think what he's saying. What, 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 Brian, the what, world didn't start spinning in uh, 2019. No. I think what she's well, saying just, is, you know, we guy, have audiences of all ages. He wants he wants Jabari put the ball in the deck and take it yeah. to the rack. But I and I would say I agree. But he's he is that guy to shut Bruce up at huddles and say no, just give me the ball. Yeah, and we've seen him literally do that in games this year. Um, it's on the inbounds play where they yeah. just ISO him and get him to the and, elbow and he and, knocks it down. He's He's got to be 80-plus percent on those. And there was an article, I want to say it was the one in The Ringer, where it talked about that. Like, Bruce was drawing up some play, and Jabari was like, Bruce, give me the ball. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Which is <laughs> very LeBron. My, my pants are off right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, if you remember, LeBron did this and the year the Cavs won the title, there was a late in game play where Ty Lu was going to have LeBron as the inbound passer. Yeah, the uh, he was he's going to be the decoy, and like and LeBron Smith was, was like, supposed to take the shot or something. LeBron was like, LeBron literally like hit the whiteboard out of his hand. <laughs> it was like, no, he's throwing it in to me, and I'm shooting this ball. Yeah. I think Jabari does have that. He is just not a confident downhill driver. Although he, against Alabama, attempted to take a man's life. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. Yes. We didn't mention yes. that. And, uh, I was going to talk about that earlier, yeah. Boy. That, it really that says something that we're, <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, it really, it really says something that we're in the middle of talking about Georgia and we're actually talking about the Tide now, so... Fitting. Well, we're really all talking right. about Kentucky because as we've yes, <laughs> this is a Kentucky basketball podcast. If you haven't joined us, because we're just here waiting for us to play Kentucky again. Mm. Mm. Shout out Matt Jones and is shout it Matt out, Jones or Kyle Jones. Kyle or Jones. Kyle Matt? I, I yeah. hope they never get the opportunity to play us again this year, and it just eats them up for the rest of time. Yeah, I hope they lose. They're, they're going to lose to Georgia in the SEC semifinals. Oh. Georgia. How's that's, how get Tom, that's how we get Tom Crean to stay. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Crean goes to the SEC <laughs> championship if you beat him by 20. I can't. So, I, I don't so back to, to, sorry, back to Georgia real quick. So I, I actually wasn't <laughs> able to watch uh, the, the, I watched the last three minutes of the game. I had some, uh, had some lovely family uh, challenges to deal with most of my Saturday morning that were resolved, but I only got to see the last three minutes, which really that's all you needed. I saw the I saw the Cambridge dunk uh, on my phone, mm. and I had the exact same thought everybody else had, which is like I don't even need to watch this game. Mm-hmm. Like nothing is as in my perfect Nate Bargatze character mode. I don't even see how this could possibly go wrong. This is perfect. 
And then I turned the game back on uh, when the dust had settled in my personal life. And I just thought, oh, this is bad. But the, uh, this is real bad. But the moment for me, I, somebody earlier said they, they had a moment when they knew the game was going to be fine. For me, it was when Auburn got the ball back. I think it was maybe when Georgia had tied the game and Tom Kareem is doing that strut he does where his, <laughs> his, his up, like from his pecs up does not move. His, his whole lower body is shuffling across the court. And he just, he just starts pumping his arms up and down to the crowd, like get in this. As soon as he did that, I was like, oh, it's over. It's so fun. <laughs> he like, we got he walks like one of the, uh, he walks like one of the created coaches on the old NCAA games. <laughs> like when they show the sideline of NCAA 14 or whatever, and you'd see the coach you had made for your dynasty. That's what Tom Green looks like all the time. Just kind of oh, looking cool. around. Not too big, not too skinny, medium. Not too bright. He looks like he'd be great as the comic relief in a Steven Seagal movie. Oh, Are you going to say he was married to Roseanne again? Well, yeah, he, he was. He was. All right. <laughs> When you're listening to this, it's most likely Tuesday, mm. February the 8th. It's true. If, we got a game tonight. If that's the case, we have a game tonight. Podcast is time travel, and Auburn plays Arkansas at Arkansas, at Bud Walton Arena, at the home of 40 Minutes of Hell, a place where Auburn is like 5-20 and 20 or something like that. 5-22, and 22, I believe. I mean... The, the, my son's namesake was the coach for most of those losses, right? Did you name your son after Nolan Richardson? Nah, no, more okay. Nolan Ryan, but sure. but also Nolan. Cause I'm, I'm, oh, I thought you were – when you said most of those losses, I thought you meant from the Auburn side and your son was named Tony for some reason. I thought you might have another son I didn't know about. No, no. I, uh, uh, Anthony is off the table for Cliff. numerous reasons. On that. Cliff would be a good one. Uh <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Nolan Richardson. He's a he's a great Hall of Fame basketball coach. Yeah. He was the, uh, amazing, and I, I love his style. I hated his teams because they beat Auburn. So, uh, Arkansas. This Arkansas team is not a Nolan Richardson Arkansas team, but they are really no. good. Um, they they shoot the ball okay. They force a lot of turnovers. They are, yeah. They're a pesky team, and I think Musselman's a sneaky, really good coach in the SEC. Like he's a really good coach in this conference. I don't think it's sneaky. I mean, I think he's he's right up at the top at this point. Um, I mean, think what you want about Calipari being at Kentucky, always having the best talent. But Bruce and Musselman, uh, for my money, are the two best coaches in the conference. Also makes a great apple butter. <laughs> Musselman's? Mm-hmm. Hey, Loki slept on his strawberry butter. It is outrageous. If you can get a hold of that for your English muffin, I'd eat that. Not much better than that. That English muffin, Ryan, with butter and jam. We were telling Bobby before the show like how the the dynamic kind of works about uh, you know crow hosts and you know, he and Chief kind of get us off topic. It's my job to get us back on topic. Um, is this where I need to do that? No, because I can talk about English muffins for an hour. Here's the situation. Making an English muffin is so much more time-consuming than you think it's going to be from scratch. To the point where you're like, why does anyone do this when you can buy English muffins? <laughs> there are some things that you make them at home, like biscuits. Homemade biscuits, biscuits. are better biscuits. 
than biscuits out of the tin every time. Homemade English muffin is better, kind of, but it takes the, all the day. Cost benefit analysis is not uh, not in its favor. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, and you cook them in the frying pan hmm. That's on the stove because they're they're considered the healthy breakfast. You cook them on the stove, and that's how they get the brown on top and the bottom. They expand. They are. You do them right. They're delicious. Uh, Maybe to use Simolina. Do you, do you guys remember the first time y'all had an English muffin? Well, I mean, um, it wasn't an I'm, Egg McMuffin. Yeah, yeah, mine yes. was the Egg McMuffin, like all the way. Mm. And then my mom tried to like start buying them and making them at home. So. It was so good. I never I had was... a healthy English muffin because what we, my grandmother would always do is like a, a cheese base with sausage. So it was like a like a breakfast kind of thing, and uh, you know, delicious. But that's why you said healthy. That kind of threw me off. Hmm. I was at a friend's house. Uh, I think I, it was 10th grade. I was, it was him and me and another friend of ours. And we were spending the night at his house cause we were going to go play golf the next day. And we woke up early the next morning and I mean, I was 10th grade and I, I didn't know what an English muffin was. <laughs> and he, he, he whips these puppies out and I'm just like, what is this? I don't, I don't understand what this is. It, please explain. And he says an English muffin and you, you grow up, understanding what a muffin is correct and yeah. mm-hmm. i wasn't an english major yet but i just something was not right so but they're they're delicious i love them now they're fantastic it's just it was just a it was one of those moments when you're a kid or i guess teenager and suddenly like your worldview sort of shifts a little bit about what mm-hmm. things really are so <laughs> yeah just you learn about people i guess you, you never want you, you never want an english muffin when you're expecting a biscuit though Yes, that's that was it. I was it was the it was a paradigm shift of yeah. what I was expecting versus what actually came out of the pantry. So I, uh, it's fine now. We're all good. I married into a family that does continental breakfast. Mm, okay, which is fine, uh, but it's an interesting, I mean, like very much continental. You go when you wake up at old eggs. Well, not not to that extent, but like oh. breads, cheeses, cured mm. meats fruit and vegetable and that's what's out so you get out you get up in, in like a, an English muffin with Munster cheese and salami is what I'm having for breakfast for at least a week every summer <laughs> and it's great it is a fantastic morning then I get on a jet this seat. has been breakfast chat anyway Auburn's gonna win right like yeah yeah why not what <laughs> This is the biggest game left on the schedule. Whoa. On, on the regular, what? I mean, is Tennessee bigger? I well, think so. it just sounds like you're April the not, 4th uh, is the biggest game on the schedule, Ryan. That's right. In the regular season. Sure. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I this mean, is, this would be a huge win for Auburn just because it's a place where we just don't win. Um, it, it, it's, it's a million miles away. If you've ever driven to Fayetteville, yeah. which the team did, this do. is probably the most hostile environment Auburn will have played in this year, because um, every other road game Auburn's had a pretty strong contingent at. Yeah, they got uh, kids camping Sands, out for this one. Sands, maybe the St. Louis game. Whoa, in the Bahamas. Yeah, that was a home game. Come on. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean so they got kids camping out. Now it didn't look like you know what we had here, but there's still 
I will also yeah, say that, this. That was what I was going to say earlier is that the timing of – so Musselman, I think, tweeted a video where he's going – you know, he's going from tent to tent to fist bump the, the mm. students. And the, the timing could not have been worse on one of my feeds because I think two tweets up, there was a tweet about the Supreme Court okaying safe site injection sites for drug addicts. <laughs> and it was late in the afternoon. I just happened to scroll down. And I was like, oh, there's one of the sites right. Oh, that's where it's Tent City, baby. That's awesome, man. Basketball coach. Nope. Yeah. So just, just terrible timing. Do just better. walk around with methadone. Um, I, you know what? The, I might be the only person with this analysis. This Arkansas team looks to me like a better version of the Oklahoma team that Auburn's already played. They have really good guard play, but they play those guys all game long. They... They are really good on perimeter defense. But I really, I mean, I don't think they're actually that great um, at defending two-point shots. Now, you have them on here as the number one rim protection team. Uh, right, so they're they're number one in the SEC, in, in SEC games, uh, number one defense in Ken Palm. Um, and then just, you know, they're really good on the defensive glass. They got a really high block percentage, low two point percentage. Um, you know, they're they're kind of asking teams to shoot threes. Um, but it's interesting because they don't have a ton of size. I mean, they've got Jalen Williams at six ten. Oh yeah, he's having a fantastic year. Yeah, they've got the other Jalen. Um, but I mean, they've only got. I mean, their second biggest player is Kamani Johnson at six seven. Well, they got that giant man, but apparently he doesn't he, play. He's only been playing about two minutes a game, if he plays. He, I thought he played a lot last year. What happened? Last year, yes. This year, no. I don't know why. I don't know if he's banged up. Y'all talking what. about Slender Man? Slender Man. Yeah, yeah. Connor, Connor Vanover. But um, not uh, not the uh, commissioner of the NBA. <laughs> two different guys. Oh. Wait, you think Adam Silver looks like Slender Man? <laughs> yeah. He's like like – like, have you seen him? His head is like yes. almost built like immune from the Star Wars universe. Adam Silver is one of my favorite people on the whole planet because he gets up to a microphone in front of a room of people who do something that he likely has never done in his life. And that is hold a <laughs> basketball. And it is painfully obvious when he opens his mouth. It's so good. It's like, all right, guys. Let's talk about who's going to win the Kobe Bryant Award this year. Yeah, it's <laughs> but back to the terrific. Hawks. Sorry. Sorry to send us on. By the way, Arkansas is on an um, eight-game winning streak, so they're a, a little hot. They're heating up. They're, they're, not, they're not the English muffin on the, uh, in the skillet, but they're getting there. They're did due you know that, for a loss. Bobby, did you know that Auburn is on a 19-game winning streak? I was just going to say, I'm looking at the SEC standings right now, and it's Arkansas with an eight-game winning streak, and then Kentucky with a four-game winning streak, and then Auburn's winning streak has been able to vote for an entire year. Yeah. <laughs> if Auburn wins against Arkansas, which we all think that they will, this winning streak will be longer, or will have as many wins in it as Young Drew's dream season when I was in college at Auburn. If we could just get to 20 wins, I used to think, we'd be a bubble team. If we could just get 20 wins, 
Auburn is about to have 20 wins in a row. That'd be incredible. Be so much fun. Uh, I think we'll do it. Uh, it where so they're they're 28 Kimpom right? Uh, uh, I, yeah, 28 Kentucky's Kim way higher than that, obviously. Number three. Right. So who? Even though we beat them, um, who is like the next? Uh, like, w- would this be the next highest team we've played in Kimpom? LSU. LSU's number 16. Uh, LSU, yeah, right. LSU's at 16. Kentucky actually up to number two right now. Ken Palm loves LSU. Uh, Auburn at seven. And Kentucky. Yeah, Tennessee, we haven't played yet, at 13. LSU at 16. Alabama's still hanging around at 19. But LSU has lost, like, uh, games in a row now. And Ken Palm just uh, loves it. Yeah, LSU's lost six out of the last seven. And they're the, the only team they've beaten, by the way, is Texas A&M, who's lost their last six. And is coming to Auburn Arena this weekend. Auburn is going to wipe the floor with the Aggies, and it will make me so happy. We could we could not win a game the rest of the year, but if we beat A and M by sixty, I will be the happiest guy on the block. This is a uh, this is a Aggie hating podcast, Bobby. So uh, uh, listen, I work I work in construction, and about twenty of my coworkers are Aggies. And mm. today at today at lunch, uh, I made a dad joke to one of them. And he said, I would expect nothing less or I'd expect no different from somebody who went to Georgia. And I mm. just thought like, mm. I couldn't even process the, the joke. So it, it'd be great if Katie Johnson could do the whole psycho thing. And, <laughs> you know, there are 30 on them. Bobby, I think yeah, there, there used to be an entire Reddit, entire subreddit dedicated to Aggie jokes. Uh, it might still exist. Good Longhorns. Kept that thing going. They are the worst. They're the worst. They really are. College game day this week. Oh, that's right. It's a game day game. Are you going to game day, Ryan? Uh, I will mostly because I'm going to be using standing room seats, and the game is going to lead into game day. So by proxy, I'll already be there. You might Uh, have to camp out. I definitely won't. Uh, By the way, your Texas Longhorns (laughs) have just knocked off. The Kansas Jayhawks, 79-46. Wow. Give them give them go horns go. Did Kentucky break Kansas? No, the answer is no, by the way. Auburn, yeah, Auburn already yeah, did. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, speaking of Big 12 teams, anyways, uh, Texas A&M. Um, it, Auburn matches up really well with this team. Again, another super small front court. Uh, they've got a couple of guys who were 6'8", and that's it. Uh, I, I the most know. annoying coaches around. Oh man, he's one of my favorites. <laughs> so annoying. Though. I think he's a really good basketball coach. <laughs> you talking about Buzz? Yeah. yeah. Just gets out there on the court. I'm so That's bummed what? that he's not at Marquette still. Actually, I I hated that A and M hired him. Like it was, I was mad that they hired him. I don't I don't even know how that even came about. Like, it one day he was, was just coaching the Aggie, so I was like, wait a minute. What? It's like I was mad when Nate Oates went to Alabama. I was like, man, dang it, I actually like his brand of basketball. I hate that he was coaching them now. But luckily, he just throws his players under the bus, which is kind of a fun thing. I think that's an Alabama trade. I think maybe when Nate Oates mm-hmm. leaves Alabama, that won't happen anymore. But. Well, Calipari does it, too, but that makes sense because Alabama football fans like him. So Sure. Mm-hmm. True. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Buzz Williams dresses like a Red Dead Redemption 2 villain. Yes. <laughs> I, I really can't. 
dislike that. I mean, yeah, I, I've spent, I mean, it's true. I've spent more years. I've spent more years in the Red Dead universe than in actual reality in the last <laughs> two years. So, I've played many hands of poker in the Valentine Saloon. I've, I've, seen, I've run into Buzz Williams several times. I, just, I mean, his name is even. I always thought he was just really in the sky. Like he, um, yeah, he was a rude boy, and then was just like, you know what? No, we're keeping this going, and it's coming. Sky is going to come back, and I respect yeah, that he really too. Walks that line, yeah. This team, uh, this team, we're going to kill though. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Can y'all help me figure out what kind of defense this is? Because I haven't watched a ton of A and M this year. But they've just got some strange uh, confluence of numbers. So they're they're really good at forcing turnovers. They're second in the conference, or se- sorry, second nationally oh. in steal percentage. They also foul the shooter a lot. They're 261st in the country in free throw attempts allowed. All right. Aggressive. But they also play a super slow pace on defense. They're 268th in defensive possession length. So what are they doing to get all of those steals? In long possessions that end in fouls. Because they're just aggressive. They're all over you. But, but then a, why is that possession lasting so long? Do they play a zone? Because they're probably defending you at half court, like at the half court line. And so you get to half court and you've got to fight your way to get yeah, into your set. Pressure you. Yeah. And they get and they don't they probably are not stealing the ball from the point guard. They're taking the ball from the second pass. So the point yeah, guard offers the ball a small forward, and then his next pass gets taken. So is this yeah. a defense that uh, we probably don't want Jabari passing a ton against? Well, that's almost Here's, every defense. I, I'm going to go ahead and say we don't want Jabari passing because that means yeah. he's not shooting. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. And sure. I, I would say at this point, if I'm Bruce Pearl, I'm sitting the team down before the Arkansas game and saying, here's the deal. You, for whatever reason, have decided that a good possession is the one that ends in a made basket for Auburn. And a bad possession ends in a miss. Get that out of your mind. A good possession is one in which Jabari has touched the ball. A bad possession is one in which he has not touched the ball. Regardless of outcome. I don't care if Katie Johnson takes it the length of the court and dunks it. It's a bad possession because Jabari didn't touch the ball. That's what I would tell them. <laughs> unless, he's, unless Jabari's not on the floor. Jabari has to touch the ball every trip. Even then, I think... I think even when he's on the floor, he needs to at least have, it needs to have grazed him. <laughs> well, that's just a, yeah, that's, that does Bruce. I could see Bruce saying anytime. This is like then it's his fault because Jabari's on the bench. When when Ryan, you don't remember this because you weren't born yet. At one point, Shaq and Kobe play on the same Lakers team, and you mean the guy on TNT? Yeah, the guy on TNT. Shaq and Kobe play on the yeah. on the early two thousand Lakers together, and. There would be games in which they would just dribble the ball across half court and toss it to Shaq, and he would toss it back out. But it was no matter what, the first thing that happens is we are tossing the ball to Shaq. Because that's how a possession is, is, was deemed positive by Phil Jackson. A negative possession was one in which Shaq can touch the ball. Auburn's better off when Jabari touches the ball than anything else that could occur on an offensive possession. He is shooting an outrageous percentage. He is our most efficient I mean, yeah. scorer. Game the rock. As soon as, be, as soon as he gets the ball on his hip, I mean, there's there's a moment where his back is to the basket, 
and then he turns around and, and is just he's square with his defender. I, I really want to know what, like, I wish there was like an ESPN, like next level cam inside the head of the defender, because as soon as he gets that ball in his hip, I know it's over. It's going in. It's over. Like, I, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't think of a player, and again, this just recent basketball fandom <laughs> problem incorporated, but I, I can't think of a player that I've been more confident. I mean, Jared was probably the closest, maybe Bryce, Jared and Bryce, when we really started hitting our stride in the SEC tournament, maybe, but there was something like, there's something otherworldly about, it's almost alien the way that Jabari is, he's just, you would never lose money betting on him making these 20 point or these uh, 20 foot, 20 point jumper would be awesome. Could have used that Saturday. <laughs> 20 footers that, um, it's just a laser from the from his fingertip to the rim. It's just it's going in every time. It's amazing. Yeah, I I, I really I'm with you. I I wonder how the defenders feel. I mean, if your face like he catches it out on the three point line over there in the corner, and he like does that foot jab. Like what what's going through your mind? Because you know this guy's going to shoot and he's probably going to score and there's nothing you can do about it. Just don't like, foul it, him. Is your what's going through your mind? Yeah, is, yeah. I, I mean, I it's can't give him an animal. Right? Yeah, because he he gets so high, he's going to shoot over anybody. I mean, you're not going to have a, a seven five guy out on the three point line defending him. So uh, anybody else, he's going up over him. He's shown he can do it over a double team. Um, your your hope is that he's just off that day. Um, but again, this A and M team is really short. Uh, they've got but between the four and five, they've got two guys that are six eight. Everybody else is six six or less. Uh, what are you supposed to do with Jabari and Walker Kessler? That's well, even Arkansas. Arkansas is going right. to guard him with a senior, which yeah. the benefit is Jabari's not not quite nineteen. He'll turn nineteen in this summer, I think. Yeah, but right before the NBA draft, and the guy who's going to guard him is twenty four. Um. And giving up four inches to him, yeah, but but he is giving up four inches to him. So like, you, if you're muscleman, you're thinking, look, I got one of my most experienced guys, probably one of the captains of my team, is going to be guarding Jabari. I mean, that's as good as I can do. But I still think Jabari's not good enough. No, Jabari's going to cook that dude. There's not a guy in the country, outside of guys being paid millions of dollars, who can defend Jabari Smith one on one. And even then, there's probably 20 of them that could do it. And not yeah. every time. Like that, that's, the, that's the thing. You're, you're, even if you have a guy that can, that can defend him, it, it's just a crapshoot whether it's going to work or not that time down the floor. Um, it, and, I mean, honestly, it's just you can't defend the kinds of shots he takes. Because right. because of his height. Because he, well, he's taking low percentage shots yeah. that aren't low percentage for him. Yeah, yeah right. So he's different than anybody else you're going to face all year. No, and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast. It's like he's he's a spot shooter in that the only real way to defend him is just to make sure he doesn't get to his spot. Period. Yeah, like there, maybe Isaac Okoro could guard this guy. Like and what Isaac would do is just be like, "Look, I'm building a fence around the elbow. You are not getting to it." Because yeah. it's not once like he, he can go. There, yeah. yeah, once he gets there, I don't care who you are. You could have a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, he's just going to – yeah, you have to foul him. I mean, that's yeah. what some teams have resorted to, though, is just, just just pulling on him and 
and hitting him and just Georgia tearing was, the ref's call foul. Georgia was really physical with him, and what they did in the second half was the second he caught the ball, Georgia sent a double. Yeah, swarmed him. And what looked like what happened was Wendell Green and Auburn's guards began not going to Jabari because they thought, we don't want to draw this double team. We'll just go ahead and right. run our offense away. And that was the wrong move. And I think Bruce was even, after the game, has on multiple cases said, like, we have to actually call Jabari's number here. Like, there, there were minutes that went by where Jabari would run on the court and not get the ball. And that's where having an experienced guard like Zeb Jasper really helps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not only because you can make that adjustment with him in game, but you can also sit the other guy and talk to him about it. We didn't uh, we didn't bring that up when we were talking about Arkansas, but we do not know if we're going to have Zeb Jasper or not. Um, yeah, it sounds like he's still sick. Uh, game time decision at best. What you think's wrong with probably, him, Ryan? Uh, I'm not here to speculate. Come on. Uh-oh. That's, that's exactly what you're here for. <laughs> we, you know what? No, we're not going to tell that story yet. One no, of these days we will. No. The, on the final episode, you can tell that story. <laughs> Whenever that day comes, I will be there. It's the reason why Ryan's called the rumor monger. We can tell you after the, the only reason I can't quit this show is because I'm, I know you'll tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I think Auburn goes 2-0 and this week. What do you guys think? Yeah. Um, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, man. I don't, I don't see what could possibly go wrong. I mean, yeah. I should have had my peacock call uh, ready to go for that question. Peacock, that go. Ain't know. no L's they, on the schedule, baby. No. Now, Ryan, yeah. I didn't hear you. What'd you say? Uh, I think Kentucky is going to go two and zero this week. Okay, cool. Against South Carolina and Florida. Yeah. That's what the people are here to hear. Now, what is the magic number? The magic number for Auburn is six. six. We six. are. Two up with eight to go. Uh, so some combination of six Auburn wins and Kentucky losses clenches the SEC for Auburn. My favorite would be six Kentucky losses. Mm. My favorite would be eight Auburn wins. But. Well, that's true. But it would be very sweet to see Kentucky lose six straight. Would. That would be almost worth not winning all eight games left, but not <laughs> quite. Well, I wouldn't know what that feels like, Chief, because we're going to win all eight of these. That's right. That's right. All right, well, until next week, you guys have a worry good weekend. Keep on cocking. One, two, three. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> <Or> eagle. <laughs>